Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is the incredibly artistic David Jones. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out David's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest to the podcast. It's David. Welcome, David. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am good, and it is great to see you. Thanks for coming on. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Uh, so we're just going to jump straight into this. David is a great improviser, and he's someone that I have had the pleasure of actually meeting in real life before the pandemic. Yeah. So, uh, but let's just jump into improv and find out what is your improv journey? My improv journey? Oh, well, starts, uh, I, I did actually look this up, starts in uh, June 2019. Um, and uh, I wandered into the uh, the Pilgrim with uh, where Emma was doing uh, Liverpool comedy improv. So, yeah. And when you say wandered in? Was it was it something that you planned, or did you literally just walk in and think, "Oh, what's going on?" It was planned in the sense that I'd been thinking about it for a while, and I thought, "Oh, I'm going to do some things that scare me and uh, shake things up a bit." So I uh, thought, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to go along Monday night and uh, quite literally drop in." So <laughs> I kind of, I kind of. Uh, knew what I was doing as in I knew that I was going to improv uh I was kind of hoping to be scared by it um because it was I was trying to find things to scare me a bit and push my limits a bit okay and it was nowhere near as scary as I thought it was it's a lot <laughs> more supportive and uh easygoing than uh than uh perhaps uh, jumping in and doing stand-up or something uh, really scary like that right so when you were looking for things to scare you and put you in these situations, did you have improv in mind or did you just start scrolling through different things on the internet and then thought, oh, that's something that might be good? I did have improv in mind. I, there was a sort of limit to that, like um, jumping out of planes wasn't in the uh, <laughs> on the agenda. So it was kind of find some more sort of arts type things to do some things that are perhaps more sociable um widening sort of sphere of people i knew that sort of thing okay so at that time when you were looking and you found improv did you try other things as well um i'm trying to think what else i was doing at the time uh i probably tried a few more different art classes things like that, but nothing. I think improv was the, the sort of big new thing that I was trying. Yeah. Right. And what was your, what was your exposure to improv before you happened upon LCI? Not very much, really. I think it was the sum total of, I bumped into Emma at a party. Uh, it was a, a party in someone's uh, studio 
and uh, Emma was chatting about improv to a, a, a few of us. So I kind of got the idea there right. about doing improv. And I suppose kind of in hindsight as well, I really like Saturday Night Live and uh, right. following on from that, the uh, the great 30 rock um, oh yeah which i i don't i don't know whether i can sort of generalize but when you talk to most people in this country about 30 rock they're like what what's mm-hmm. that never seen it whereas when you start talking to people in, in the improv community they're like oh yeah 30 rock tina fey alec baldwin that sort mm-hmm. of thing so so with improv when when you first got the opportunity to just get involved in the drop-in session how did you feel in that moment probably sort of nervous but the the sort of attitude of well hell let's do it anyway <laughs> sort of uh, jump in and have a go what's the worst that could happen and did you have any sort of moments of brain fog where you just froze or did you find oh yeah ideas are just naturally coming um definitely at the beginning i'd get like brain fog um you'd be there going and, and i think it's it's the same with everyone you're there thinking i've got to think of something funny i've got to like add something um and i think as you start getting into it you kind of um the the, the nice sort of gift is sort of just letting other people do the work a bit and taking their offering and working with it and not worrying too much about what you're providing and I, I think sort of midway through doing in-person improv before all this uh we went into this new world I'd kind of realized that um quite often it was a lot more rewarding to kind of just be quiet at the beginning of a scene and right. let the other person paint a bit and then just go in and that was a, like ultimately more rewarding especially when you're starting out than trying to jump in with something clever and maybe because you can be there with like almost like 10 lines of plot yeah if you're not an improviser to start with you're there like thinking this and this and this and this should happen but you can't do that because you've got to rely on the the other person or you've got to account for the other person coming in and contributing equally to the scene so it's it's gonna go in a direction you can't dictate and that's the beauty of it and when we reached the the time of the pandemic and we couldn't improv in person what were your initial thoughts on improv moving to online i mean the i was trying to think what uh it, um, Emma just started up the Zoom thing and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give that a go. Uh, I know a lot of people, well, there are, not a lot of people, there are a few people like, oh, don't want to do improv online only. Um, doesn't seem quite right. Um, but I thought, well, give it a go. Um, and yeah, I think it's, uh, you just adapt to it, really. It's a, it's a different world. You kind of lose a few things but you gain a few things as well so it kind of uh, balances out it is its own animal yeah and i think some people have just 
become really skilled at zoom prov and like me for example i am more experienced in online improv than i am in in-person improv and part of me feels like oh it's actually going to be weird to go back to in-person improv definitely yeah i know that that's kind of how i felt as well and i suppose i was kind of sort of thinking about go moving on to zoom at the time when we started having the lockdown i didn't know what to expect so i suppose that's my, my initial thoughts were like similar to when i started in person improv i was like well i'll give it a go what's the yeah. worst that could happen um <laughs> and, and then gradually like it's kind of i think it's like for everyone it's emerged as an art form and like the way yeah. things are done and then there's this like added bonus that I wouldn't have thought of before, which was the improv groups become like international. So I'll be having like jams of people in India, United States, Canada, all parts of Europe, um, even as far across as Philippines. It just depends on time zone a bit, but that has been absolutely amazing to like, just get this like window on the rest of the world. I have learned more about time zones than I have ever needed to learn in my life before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've messed up a few times. So I, I, I know that I know to know that I'm possibly going to make a mistake with the time zone. So do it very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fascinated by the fact that some countries are not only different hours, but they actually have different minutes. That blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> That makes the maths a lot harder. <laughs> it does indeed. <laughs> so with the the improv that you've done, are you more of a short form guy or have you, you tried long form or musical? Ooh, um, musical probably wouldn't be my thing. I, I tried musical instruments like when I was a kid and didn't practice enough. So and I wouldn't be very confident about singing, but maybe I should throw myself in at some point. I might live to regret saying that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I quite like, I think I like long, longer forms. And um, the, the thing that sticks in my mind was um, New Year's Eve. Um, I did a, it was like a, a um, scene painting uh, drop-in uh, with, I think it was Michelle Gilliam. Oh, she's great. And um, yeah, it was really great. And she must be great because it's just stuck in the mind from New Year. And uh, it was just a group of us. And we'd she'd have an initial suggestion and we'd sit there and like between us, like build up the scene. So it would be like a shop or a log cabin or even a park or, or something. Yeah. And we'd put all the like objects and the kind of how the place feels and um just like almost like textures of the scene and then we'd play out a number of scenes in that location and that was really good i really enjoyed that so that was something i liked i remember when emma arranged for michelle to come and do a session for lci Um, Mm. it was relatively early on in online improv world and it was one of my first experiences of actually having a different improv uh facilitator 
and she was just great and she just had so much energy and what she was doing was awesome and what i really loved was a little while after that when emma had like a big birthday bash and she had loads of different people coming in she had guests coming in and michelle was one of the guests that came in and she did this really great scene with emma and then just through chatter and, and other scenes she did some callbacks to when she actually came and ran that session and i was like wow how cool is that that she does all of this improv all over the world and she still remembers some really like fine little details from from scenes that we were doing in the lci drop-in that's that's a good going i i i think i was probably in that drop-in and i don't remember very if anything from it i could probably go back and like get my memories by like reading like a a diary or journal entry yeah i'd have to do that and have you done that is impressive have you done any sort of any courses that are a series of courses and not just drop-ins yeah i've done um the nursery in london did a um a set of uh, a course on uh, narrative improv that i went along to okay and that was good so it's definitely something I, I need to do more of a few more more courses it's just finding the right right things for me i think yeah um but that was that was good at the and it was a saturday morning thing or it was actually saturday afternoon um early saturday afternoon and you'd get um you kind of got to know the group of people that you were in the course yeah. with so it's just quite kind of really nice little thing to do and during during sort of the the peak of pandemic and lockdown were you sort of furloughed from work or were you still working i well i was in um a strange situation in the sense that i uh moved from one place to another in terms of job so okay. i was starting a new job um remote working remotely ah. so um it was literally a case of go to this place pick up a laptop <laughs> set yourself up and we'll see you on monday or whatever and um still to this day i've never actually met who I'm working with in person. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I'm told they exist. But, um, <laughs> it's all done over like Teams and Zoom. And, ah, okay. Yeah. So I, I I didn't manage to get furloughed, but I did manage to uh, start in a new place. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, bizarre. But I suppose it's the same for everyone. Yeah. But for a lot of people who all of a sudden, they didn't have a job to go to. Yeah like improv really became a big thing and it it was happening for them sort of as many days as possible were you in that boat where you were still trying to just do as much improv as you could at the time because you couldn't go out or were you were you still trying to find that uh, balance between work and sort of improv and other things going on in life um i was i was making sure i was was trying to like regularly do improv i think i i think i was making sure I did it at least once a week. I think I was trying to bring it up a little bit more towards twice a week. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely was an important part of the week, um, especially with lockdown. It, it became a case of uh, I bubbled with my parents all right. the way through. So I'd be able to go and see my parents. Um that's that's like my big well it hasn't changed hugely now we're kind of um gone through various 
unlockdowns and other <laughs> yeah. lockdowns and yeah. whatever it is now. <laughs> my, my, my week in my week in person still tends to be go to see my parents on Sunday and then um, either a Saturday night or a Monday night as late as possible. Just go down, do my shopping uh in the car <laughs> try and get like either at, at least a week's worth of shopping possibly two weeks usually and uh those are my two like big nights out <laughs> the world we live in and you're very good with with comedy in in improv from experiences i've had with you and you've mentioned some comedy influences earlier in our chat mm. and you also did mention stand-up comedy early in this chat was stand-up comedy ever sort of on your radar as something that you might try Ooh, um um i wouldn't be desperate to try it because it's every time i look up look look at a stand-up uh comedian they i'm i'm just usually there in awe of the amount of um brain power they have on tap <laughs> immediately to be able to just work through and come up with and respond in in the way that they can in a, a stand-up comedy situation so it's it's i never say never but it's not something i've been desperate to try it's uh it sounds quite scary to me <laughs> <laughs> and um something i do want to bring up is your artwork you're an incredible artist and <laughs> I remember those early those early days for me going to the Fly and the Loaf, the LCI sessions, mm -hmm. and you would just sit there. And when you weren't in a scene, you, you just had a little notepad and you were just sketching what you were seeing. And it was incredible. And then it was great because um the uh the lighting at the Fly and the Loaf was so much better than the Pilgrim. <laughs> where right. we come from where each week we we thought there'd be um there was a another bulb failing each each week so <laughs> by the end of the time we we're at the pilgrim which was quite a nice it was a nice place to be had a nice atmosphere but it, it didn't have very much light <laughs> so by the time we kind of moved to the fly in the loaf it was almost dark there but yeah i could actually see to to do one yeah it was, it was it's a lot a lot of fun and a lot of um it kind of uh, sharpens you up doing stuff immediately, like as in from life, yeah. where you've got a scene going on in front of you and you're trying to like pick out, you're not necessarily trying to like portrait people because they're moving around all the time. Yeah. It's, it's trying to pick out things that when you take your notebook down to the mm. pub afterwards, yeah people are going to go oh that's me because you most likely it's like what they're wearing like a shirt or if they got a cap on or yeah something like that you try and use that and then you you also try and capture like gestures and moments and uh, yeah i miss that from uh, in person improv just sitting there out of scene sketching um but that, that tends to uh you tend to find yourself having to think about what you're drawing and making sure you're, you're following what's going on in the scene as well. So <laughs> you're tired afterwards. <laughs> and I believe some of those drawings are still on the Instagram of LCI yeah. on the saved stories. I think there's a, a 
collection of them there. So if people can go and check out the Liverpool Comedy Improv Instagram, they can see some of those pictures. And I remember the night before lockdown when Periscope Up happened at the Hope Street Theatre and we got to perform in the the opening section of the show. But then you went to the side of the stage and for the rest of the night, you just stood and sketched. That was great fun, yeah. Yeah, taking it all in. And it got good view as well because it was quite quite close to the stage so yeah and i just remember what you came up with and how quickly you do it and as you say yeah they're not full portraits you're just picking out key things but you could look at every single bit of your picture and know exactly what it is that was happening in that scene at the time yeah i think uh i think uh, a good few weeks well months at the uh the fly and the life practicing really helped with that um, <laughs> and I certainly like saw a progression in the stuff I was doing from like when I sort of first decided to go along with with a notebook and start sketching stuff in scenes to to that point where uh, we had the uh, the performance at Periscope. It's uh, it was a definite uh, progression, um, and it's it's like with other um, situations in art where you got like time constraints quite often the best thing to have is a pen because okay. you, you know what the lines you're putting down are permanent. So, yeah. you know, you either need to get them right or put other lines down that make the one that's wrong look right. <laughs> and then you can always go in afterwards with some um, watercolour or colours and ah, cool. colourise things, which adds another layer to the, uh, the effect. So what is your experience of art? Is it something that you've always been into? Oh, yeah. Um, so it probably starts, I don't know how old I was, definitely single figures. I tend to be up early when my dad was getting ready for work. And I'd um, copy, I started off by just trying to like copy maps of the local area. Right. And um, like understand that. And then carried on drawing really and um took art up to GCSE and then stopped taking art at GCSE and I think actually like kind of in the end almost connected with like what I was doing at GCSE um but then at A level I didn't take art but then I just kind of when I was meant to be doing my A level homework i'd be uh, drawing and doodling and <laughs> be sit, sitting there doodling and it would be like oh it's two in the morning right uh so the next day it'd be sort of slumped in maths kind of like dozing off a bit and uh, <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd always get caught dozing off uh in uh, a level maths or a level physics and then uh yeah by the time I got to uni, I was more uh, more skilled at the uh, the sly doze off in lecture. Was, uh, there was more more uh, more people in the lecture theatre, so you and there was more of a distance between you and the lecturer, so it was less likely that you were going to get a board rubber thrown at you or yelled <laughs> at. But it wasn't impossible. <laughs> it did happen to, <laughs> to one of my mates. He got told. Um, if you're going to fall asleep in my lectures, don't come to my lectures. And my mate took it as that. So we never oh. came to another one of this guy's <laughs> again. 
And with the art, did you ever return to classes like as an adult? Have you honed your skills or you just taught yourself? Um, I've kind of muddled through a lot myself, but I have done. Um, so there's a guy called um, Jake uh, Gawley, I think it is, who does um, oil painting courses. So I've done a few of his. They're, right. they're pretty great because um, it's not really something I've used uh, so much, oil paints. So I've done that. And then there's the the kind of traditional, a lot of local groups run um, like portrait and life drawing classes, which, are, which right. I've done a lot of, which are really great. Um, there's quite a few on the Wirral um, that like run in local halls and things. And you get a few in Liverpool as well in kind of, some of the, I think, Leaf and um, somewhere in what's now called the, um, is it the Garment Quarter or the... Oh, I don't know. The, there's a London Road area. There's some kind of nice new things being set up there. Um, so those, those places do them. But yeah, just like the, the challenge of drawing like portrait or life drawing, getting like a likeness or capturing the human form it's like the observation is like almost a lot more important than your end result it's right. because i think as you start you're there drawing what you think's there and you quickly have to learn that it is observation draw a bit observation draw a bit and right. like making sure you're drawing what's actually there not what he thinks there and that's that's such a useful and like vital skill to pick up so that's like really really helped me <laughs> excellent now are people your favorite thing to draw or do you like to draw objects or landscapes um i like a bit of everything really um i like yeah people architecture I do quite a bit of architecture sort of industrial things like ships and um like built things but also built things and maritime stuff in a state of decay so where you've got all these kind of various like shades of like rust and umbers and ochres <laughs> and all those fancy color names where right. you can um where you can build up all this like tone and texture as you know the way way things things rust so i, I think at some point I'll, i'd love to visit like places like um detroit um quite literally the uh, american rust belt and uh mm. the the great lakes where you've got all these you know, things like green silos that are sitting there unused and car plants and, and the way the na nature moves into capture it all back again but i find that kind of uh, interplay between humans and nature and the way nature moves cool. back in quite quite fascinating and do you have your work displayed anywhere have you sold your work anywhere or is it completely just a personal thing for you oh uh, it's primarily a personal thing for me but i do each year and hopefully fingers crossed this year because we didn't run it last year we'll be having the we're all open studio tour which right. plug, plug alert uh, <laughs> 11th and 12th of September will be artists from around the world uh, opening their studios and galleries 
to uh, show what they do. So cool. I'll be uh, in the uh, Williamson Art Gallery and Museum in Oxton, uh, bringing all my stuff and setting up there, hopefully for the week before as well. Cool. Um, and a big part of what I do now is like three-dimensional kind of model-like stuff. So I'll have to see how I get on, but my idea is to try and build as much of a scene as I can. Okay. In terms of like almost like a cityscape or a um, a dock, sort of a dockside scape and bring that along and uh, carry on working on it. It's, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got to do the, the whole bit of um, bringing in what the... Uh, the artistic merit of it is <laughs> other than uh, what, what makes it more than just uh, chopping up bits of uh, scrap mount board because <laughs> that's uh, the main material I use and, and building models. It's, um, I mean, at some point I'd like to use the three-dimensional stuff that I do as a basis for painting from or drawing from or inspiration or even... Um, you know, taking a, a say a model of a house yeah and, and and using it as like almost scene painting to start a an improv scene from ah, so cool. i'd like to especially with um sketching what was going on in the improv at the pit in the, in the flying loaf and then uh looking at that and thinking well how else can i kind of like join improv and art a bit more together which is be certainly one of the things i'd be uh, looking to do a bit more in the future i do recall when we were leading up to the show in the hope street theater the up periscope show you had a submarine that you'd made is that correct oh it was your show with me right now <laughs> and yeah. you were taking it around liverpool and like taking pictures of it yeah so it, we, we placed it in front of um, various landmarks in Liverpool, yeah. the, uh, the Up Periscope. The Up Periscope, one of the Up Periscope flyers got uh, chopped up and cannibalised as like a kind of billboard for this submarine, which, uh, yeah, it's uh, it got a bit of mileage in around Liverpool. Um, it's, uh, it's held up reasonably well. It's, um, again, uh, mostly... Um, I'll uh, beg art art uh, galleries and framers for uh, their scrap mount board, which oh, is like, right, okay. a fairly good material to like build stuff out of, um, and then uh, wrapped it in various um, the uh, the card, you know, the multi packs that you get beer in. Yes, brown card that goes around them is uh, brilliant. Okay, which is a big problem because I don't really drink so <laughs> I have yeah. to uh, steal it off my dad when he's finished <laughs> yeah, with his multi-packs um, that's a good material and then art straws which um, for things like periscopes which don't hold up quite so well because they're only paper but yeah. not too badly and some random buttons from my uh, mum's button box ah so, cool tools. So, yeah that was, uh, that was fun to do and it was fun to run around and uh yeah see see which parts of liverpool i could uh, get a picture of it with so i think albert dock was a good one and the museums yeah. and uh, 
both the pilgrim and the uh, flying life i think <laughs> got praised outside of it was a great so, idea a great way to sort of advertise the show as well it was it was fun doing it as well so yeah cool cool uh so i'm gonna go back to comedy for a second thinking about comedy and your comedy influences and you've mentioned 30 rock you've mentioned saturday night live would you say that those shows influence your style in improv or do you have other influences other influences but i imagine like um tina fey and Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock will have had a big influence on me with the um, the amount I uh, watched 30 Rock. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got through all seven seasons. Was it seven or was it eight? I've got through all of them a right. couple of times. Okay. So the DVDs are well, uh, well <laughs> worn. Um, I'm trying to think what are the comedy influences. Um, I think there must be a bit of Monty Python influence okay. from, um, I don't know whether you've been there when I've done my, uh, his, uh, my, his, my kind of, uh, he's a very naughty boy voice. I think I have heard it. <laughs> but if you, if you want to give us a, a little rendition. Now, oh, I don't know good. whether I could break into it now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And... That's uh, happened in scenes a few times. <laughs> So there must be some Monty Python there. So things like Monty Python will have been sort of with you from a young age and 30 Rock would have come along a bit later in life. Mm. Have you found that in general, your sense of humor has always kind of been the same or has it developed and changed as you've got older? I think it's probably broadened a bit. I think certainly when I was younger, like, just like particularly random things would just really like set me off. I'd find something, re some things really funny and other people might not necessarily find them that funny or you get um, jokes that some people thought, no, nah, it's not that funny. And I'd be like, oh, that's really funny. The, the thing that sticks in my mind for that sort of thing is there was Saturday Night Live um, skit, um, piece called David Pumpkins with um, uh, Tom Hanks in it. All right. And some people found it really, really funny. And some people were like, just don't really get that. <laughs> it, was a, it was a Halloween thing. Um, right. And it, it was, it's definitely, it'll be out there on YouTube. But uh, yeah, David Pumpkins, I thought was uh, really good. But uh, other people might disagree. There's lots of moments like that in comedy in particular, where mm -hmm. for some people it's the funniest thing they've ever seen. And for others, they're just looking at it with their mouth open, like, what? Well, I, I don't get it. Like, what on earth mm -hmm. is that about? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's, there's, there must be so many things that like build into the formula of what's funny. And going back to stand up, I think a lot of stand up is kind of relating with people and their experiences so kind of like yeah. oh um oh this must have happened to you or uh, don't you hate it when this happens uh, i think um isn't it improv the the likable format tends to be where you have the uh the improv cast asking the audience for suggestions and they yeah. 
build through from from that the good thing about improv is if you come up with something on the spot for a scene that you think yeah this is hilarious because i'm laughing in my head and then you deliver it and like you get no reaction it doesn't matter because it it's it was only going to happen once anyway you've moved on there's plenty more mm. to come but as a as a comedian yeah. a stand up if that's your set and you think right yeah this is this is my set for this tour it's going to be great and then you go do night number 1 and everything goes to plan but then you go to a different audience and you think oh no that's yeah. that second joke and that fourth joke that didn't work there is that going to happen everywhere else so then they've got that constant battle whereas an improv it doesn't matter cuz whether it's good or whether it's bad it's never going to happen again so it doesn't matter it just happens once yeah there's a there's, it's a um, ephemeral thing isn't it it's this like thing that only exists in the moment that it's being performed yeah. and i suppose the comedy aspect is that i'd say the rule i always go with is if i'm trying to be funny it's it's probably not going to work i think you just kind of have to build the scene up and build through and if it's funny that's like a bonus but you just like aim to try and work through build the scene kind of yeah work with the scene partners yes and is the big thing and, you know respecting what you've been offered by your uh, scene partner and mirroring it and building on it and then at some point the magic might well end up with uh, some giggles or laughs <laughs> and do you enjoy sort of getting deep into character with some of the serious improv that you can get into uh, yeah i think i think sometimes it's it's like it can be a bit scary in the sense of am i giving this like am i giving this like part the the kind of strength the gravity it deserves or the, like building it up correctly and also yeah whether you're like providing the right emotion as you you're playing the part so it's kind of um yeah it's rewarding where you've got these the parts that are not a bit more different with a bit more depth yeah it's, it's hard work i think as well and i'm someone who trained in acting when i was younger for quite a few years so i understand how like the serious side of it works and i can get in to that side um just by tapping into uh, you know things i was taught when i was younger did you have a background in the performing arts not really at all really um i kind of uh i uh was mostly kind of ended up concentrating towards sciences at school and then right. the kind of polar opposite was art and uh that side of things and they kind of they, they're kind of you get crossovers every so often yeah but it was kind of like two different things um and then improv was just something and something new again so i don't really have too much in the way of a background in performing arts or anything like that because i have so much respect for people like you that have just sort of come to it at a slightly later stage in your life and just completely committed to this new thing because someone like me i'm new to improv in many ways but it's really just an extension of many things i've done in my life but i think to just see someone like you just come in and try this completely new thing which is really far away from everything else you do it, it's so commendable <laughs> 
it's um i suppose i skived off doing all the uh learning lines and uh, <laughs> having to do things like that so i was a bit naughty in that respect but yeah it's um it's it's good i think like trying to pick up new things as you go through life is such a great thing to do and it's like the things i want to revisit like i supposedly i can speak french german and possibly <laughs> latin but i need to pick those up again and i'd like to um because i it, especially with um the international improv community and yeah all these people that coming in from india especially who are talking like perfect english and you just you, there's this kind of pang of guilt of like wow yeah i should be yeah <laughs> speaking a few more languages than i or speaking a few more languages properly than uh than i do at the moment so that's definitely uh, room for improvement there uh, for me yeah i feel that guilt sometimes too and i am shocking at languages mm -hmm. oh i want to pick up uh with being so close to uh, wales i'd like to pick up uh, more welsh I, I i know like tiny bits from pulling apart place names right so things like Bryn and Finon, so Hill Fountain. <laughs> well, <laughs> my, <laughs> uh, my advice for, for Welsh is learning the sound, the, the two L's. Yeah, it's two L's. <laughs> it's, uh, that throws a lot of people. And the Y and the U like, have different sounds in Welsh. Uh, so the, they're basically the opposite. So the uh sound is a Y and the, the sort of the E sound that a Y would normally make is actually a U. Ah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like the word Cymru, which just means Wales, like a lot of people that don't know the language would just say sort of Cymru or Kimru, something yeah. like Kimru, something like that, uh, instead of Cymru, because the letters, yeah. uh, they just have different sounds. <laughs> There's a, there's a place that I visited in North Wales and I, I didn't have a clue how to pronounce it. And, and I looked at all the letters and thought, what even happens there? And I was talking to someone who lives um, not far out that way and is a native speaker. And he was just like, oh, a scaviog. And I was like, ah, right. <laughs> that's how you say it. <laughs> sort of don't know what i was trying to say but it certainly wasn't it's gave you yeah like if you're just driving through and you look at the signs sometimes you're just like wow it, it's like another world it is brilliant it adds a kind of layer of especially if you don't really speak the language very well it adds this like nice layer of mystery and this kind of extra magic to the place i think yeah Although sometimes I think they're just taking the mic with the, the names. Like the, the classic one is Oh, uh, I'm just like, does it really need to be like that word? <laughs> I don't think so. It was a Victorian um, tourist uh, advert, really, wasn't it? It was to get the, uh, the tourists to visit the, uh, the, the station with the longest name. Yeah. It's quite, I think it's got quite a nice beach, isn't it? It's quite a nice little place in Anglesey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of Anglesey is lovely. Highly yeah. recommend. It's a good place, yeah. Good. Uh, I've had a good curry and holly, uh, holly head. 
Oh so, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. There was there was a period where Holyhead was the place to go for the Irish. It was when they first banned smoking in pubs and stuff in Ireland before they banned it in England and Wales. So oh. all the Irish would get on the ferry from Dublin over to Holyhead. And for, for quite some time, like Holyhead was just full of the Irish because they wanted to have a drink and a smoke. <laughs> Excellent. I bet the uh, I bet some of the uh, if you had a rough crossing on the way back from uh, Holyhead to Dublin, <laughs> that got a bit uncomfortable oh. the morning after. <laughs> I bet it did. Yeah. Uh, well, right then, I've just checked the time, and we need to bring this to a close. But just before we finish, have you got anything you want to advertise? Uh, places where you regularly perform, where people might want to come and join in some jams. Uh, yeah, um, Liverpool Comedy Improv, which I uh, have to get back into going to a bit more at the moment. I've been a bit tied up with work. There's uh, Zigzag, which is uh, which is great, and ooh, the ooh, and the other mm-hmm. other places, the nursery that I've done in London, nursery improv, and. Yeah, probably the others I've talked about. And of course, um, yeah, the uh, World Open Studio Tour. So uh, if you keep a, a date in your diary for uh, the 11th and 12th of September this year, fingers crossed, COVID uh, willing. Uh, yeah. I'll be in the uh, the Williamson Gallery in Oxton. Well, excellent. Well, thank you very much. And everyone listening, uh, please check David out and all of those places he said. And David, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. No problem. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much to David. What a great chat that was. Please do keep an eye out for his exhibition. Hopefully that will go ahead. Fingers crossed for you, David. And don't forget, if you want to get some improv action with David, you can find him at LCI Drop-Ins, you can find him at Zigzag Improv Drop-Ins, and he does do other bits and pieces here and there, so hopefully you'll encounter David on the improv scene, and who knows, maybe it's not going to be that long before you could interact with him and do some scenes in person at an LCI improv class in person, which I'm hoping will uh, be with us in the not-too-distant future. If you are interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram we are at Live Comedy Improv. We also have a Facebook page so you can check us out on there. We'll be posting the show link direct to that page every week and advertising with trailers each week. Plus there's lots of other uh, announcements from LCI to look out for on that page. And if you are a member of the LCI community and you would like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we'll make the arrangements as soon as possible. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a a review, give us five stars. Anything you can give us there will help to really boost a show and get our name out there. If you're interested in me in any way, shape or form, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. Just look for at Ian Luke Jones. On my YouTube in particular, there's plenty to tickle your taste buds. Lots of improv videos on there. 
There's a motivational Monday video every week, there's a humorous moment every Wednesday, and every now and again, you just get random bits of this and random bits of that. So thank you very much for listening. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv, and yes, and...